The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you this week by you, the hundreds of people who listen to the Door County Pulse podcast and the weekend primer twice a week, every week. If you're an individual or small business who would like to reach out to those hundreds of listeners each week, then why not think about sponsoring an episode of the Door County Pulse podcast or weekend primer? You can do so by emailing us at info at doorcountymarketing.com. From all of us in Door County and across the United States who check in every week to the Door County Pulse podcast, we look forward to hearing from you very soon. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk to the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you'll find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and this week I'm joined by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? What's up, Andrew? It's going good. How was your weekend? It's go- great. Another good one in the books. Did the Hey Hey 5K, got that done before noon, had my first beer before noon after that race. So, good. Um, don't tell the kids that. But yeah, it was a great weekend. Great. And what do you have on the docket for this coming weekend? A busy one. I have the Door County Treasure Hunt. I'm uh, one of the board members of the Right on Door County group. So we will be putting on that treasure hunt in Sturgeon Bay at the Door County Fairgrounds on Saturday. Um, So there's still time to sign up for a team. You can even sign up the day of. Starts at 10 a.m. We put a cool app together so people can bounce around the county and uh, answer some trivia questions, find some unique places and compete to win a nice little pile of cash. Before we move on to the news, I just want to put out a disclaimer. There's some construction going on at the Pulse office. So if you're hearing the the hammering and the, the, the drills and stuff in the background, we apologize this week, but it's part of a ever-evolving office. Up here. Actually, there's, there's always construction going on at the Pulse office. So we should apologize if you've ever heard it in previous weeks. It's kind of shocking if you haven't. But uh, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of pounding above us today. Actually, before we move on, there's one other thing I'm doing this weekend that's pretty cool. What's that? On Sunday, I'll be golfing, and I don't golf at all. I'm terrible at it. Um, in the Little Eddie Big Cup, which is a benefit for an old friend of mine, Eddie Streg, who uh, died by suicide a few years ago and was a beloved bartender and character in Door County. And this event goes to help his son, Oliver, and their family. And then also to raise some funds to promote some mental health programs in Door County Some of those funds have gone to help support the new uh, Stride program that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And it's just a great event. A lot of local people. It's already sold out, but uh, I think all their foursomes are spoken for. But afterwards, we'll be at Alexander's, and there'll be a silent auction there with some really great prizes from a lot of different places. And it's just a great cause and a great day to remember a wonderful guy and a great friend and, and do some do some good to raise some funds so that nobody else ever has to, hopefully has to deal with uh, a similar situation. So right. a little itty big cup, uh, a great day up at Peninsula State Park. So moving on to the news this week, why don't we start with, uh, there's some information trickling out about the town of Liberty Grove buying the old Weeborg fishing property. Yeah, so there, this came up um, maybe 10 years ago or more. It's the first time there were some uh, conversations about the Weeborg family looking to sell that property, but they were really focused on not having it turned into condos. And there was some, this was before the crash in 07, 08, that when a lot of people were looking at any property up here to, to build and build condos. So they had talked about trying to come up with a proposal to sell it to the, to the town and create a, a town or county park. And eventually that did go to the voters several years ago. I'd say it's probably 2011, I think. I might have that wrong. 
Uh, I remember it was one of the biggest town meetings I've ever been to. Uh, they held it in the Liberty because because it's a town and they want to make a purchase of that size. The electorate has to come and vote. Sure. Um, the board doesn't just decide. So they had to do it in like the county highway department or or the town highway department garages up in Liberty Grove and about 500 people showed up. And the ballot was whether to purchase these several parcels on that are kind of like the the center of Gills Rock that are a lot of people go up and paint those properties. They take photos of those po- properties. It's a really picturesque part of the county. I think it was 2.15 million that they wanted to pay for it at the time. And the electorate resoundingly voted no. And the word is now that the town is has entered into discussions with three different property owners once again to purchase that property for a much lower price is all that they are saying right now. Uh, we don't know what that price is. They say they will reveal that October 16th. It's unclear whether that will be the date that they're looking to set a vote. It will probably be later than that, that they would they'd have a vote and get some information out to the, to the town electorate and um, potentially be buying and making public another uh, beautiful piece of waterfront property. Where in the county is this property? That's in Gills Rock, uh, which is in the town of Liberty Grove. And that is um, really, as you, as you come into Gills Rock, before you get to, say, the Shoreline Restaurant and Charlie Smokehouse, mm-hmm. it's that, that main viewpoint that you see when you pull into Gills Rock and you're looking at the water. Okay. And what's the, what's the story behind it? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's been private? It's long been uh, private property owned by the, I believe there's three families. The Weeborg one would be the most recognizable one. That's a, a Weeborgs are an old fishing family um, in Door County and have been doing it for generations. And that dock has kind of been like their home base for their operations. Okay, and do we know uh, what would become of it after it's been purchased? As of right now, there's there's no information about that. I've, in various stops and starts with these proposals regarding this property over the years, there's been talk about making it part of, like, the Maritime Museum, and that's not part of this one. I'm just saying I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. I don't know what the proposal will end up being with this, but that's been talk in the past. There has been uh, just talk of making a public park, maybe doing an event space down there. I know some people have talked about putting condos there, so that would be the, the urge to preserve this because it is a beautiful vista as you pull up. But Town of Liberty Grove is a traditionally fiscally very conservative board and also a, a very conservative township. They don't throw money around. I shouldn't say towns throw it around, but they don't they don't do these kinds of projects. So when they had a proposal to build a new marina several years ago, at about the same time Egg Harbor was building a marina, the town of Liberty Grove was investigating building a marina or redoing and expanding the marina in Ellison Bay. They ended up saying no to that project in Liberty Grove. So it's not an electorate that likes to spend money, but maybe if they're getting a good enough deal on this property, and if they do believe that it is at risk, maybe they go ahead and, and buy that. On the other hand, Gills Rock, there is, with, with everything happening in Sister Bay, there are a lot of people north of Sister Bay who say, we don't want that sprawl, we don't want that kind of development. So maybe maybe buying this property would spare them that development. But it also you could say, well, if you buy that and make it public, that might spur people to want to develop up there. So it's, a, it's going to be interesting how that one shakes out. And we'll have more on this as more information trickles out from the town of Liberty Grove and um, other people involved. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this develops. Gills Rock is a, a really cool place. It's very quaint, and it'd be interesting to see if, you know, this leads to it growing or... or becoming more of a destination for people to go up to and enjoy the waterfront. 
Yeah, I'm guessing most people would would prefer that it not because it's one of those last respites, but um, we'll see. So another thing of note, uh, registration for the DC Half Marathon is opening up on October 1st, correct? Yeah, the 12th annual Door County Half Marathon, uh, sponsored by the Peninsula Pulse um, and put on by the Peninsula Pacers, is uh, coming up. That'll be May 4th, 2019, in Peninsula State Park, all on closed roads. But the registration opens October 1st and... When people register in that first month, it's $20 cheaper than race day price. So especially for your locals out there, it's a good opportunity to commit to something to get you through the winter to train for and also save some money on it. So we'll, it'll open at 7 a.m. on October 1st. Okay. What's the what's the history behind the half marathon? We might have talked about it once before back when uh, we were covering it as it happened. But if I remember correctly, it was... One of the first big things that the Pacers did up here. It was the first Peninsula Pacers event. It actually started uh, over conversations between David Elliott, um, Lars Johnson, uh, I believe Mary Knudsen, Michael Brecky, the late Betsy Titterington, were really some of the foundational uh, voices in that effort. Dave Elliott's wife, uh, Krista, has run, I think, over 30 marathons. So Dave has been to a lot of races as a fan and a supporter. In their conversation, like, Door County would be great for an event like this. Let's put on a half marathon. And of course, when you think of venues, you go, wouldn't Peninsula State Park be a wonderful place to do that? Door County's got the advantage of being a great destination. So it's not just a place where you, oh, I did a run there and then I go home. It's, let's make a weekend out of it. And Lars Johnson is another runner who's done several marathons and a big running supporter. So they had these conversations around breakfast tables at Al Johnson's and formulated this idea. And a big part of that was let's do it on a weekend when Door County is otherwise not very busy. Let's add to the season. Let's get the community involved when they're not swamped. And that's really how it's worked out is we get a lot of local business owners are able to volunteer and help with this event. You've seen that weekend become a really busy weekend. I know there are bars and hotels and and restaurants who say that is, for some bars, like the second busiest day of their year behind Fall Fest. Hotels that used to have one or two bookings that weekend who are now full completely that weekend. Because there's 2,700 runners, 95% of them from outside Door County. Um, So they fill up hotel rooms, has a big economic impact. And that's really what they were shooting for that those first conversations was let's do something cool. Let's showcase Door County in a different way and and attract a different clientele. And let's do it on a weekend that could really benefit businesses. Was this originally planned as a as a way to extend the shoulder season a little bit? Or is that something that came out of its popularity? No, that was uh, the reason they picked that first Saturday in May was exactly that. Um, I mean, a lot of the places that are open and full now weren't even open before the, the middle of May or Memorial Day when this race started 12 years ago. The goal was to, to impact the shoulder season, and it did so much faster than I thought. I was just involved in some of the promotional aspects in those early couple of years. I never thought it would become as big as it is. It's 2,700 runners now. I mean, that first year, it was about 590, I think was the number. So it has uh, blown up and gotten a lot of publicity from major running magazines. It's been mentioned in Competitor, Runner's World, Running Times, Silent Sports Magazine. Uh, it's it's a, really a favorite of a lot of runners in, in the Midwest. My wife started running almost a year ago now, and she she never run before, but she wanted to do something. She wanted to run, so she went and she signed up for eight races, like in in the, her her first year running. That's that is commitment right off the bat. Well, it it gave her a reason to do it because she's like, well, I already signed up and I paid my fees and everything for all this stuff. So now if I don't do it, I'm out all that money, and you know, it it gave her that kick in the pants to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. 
So those eight races were her training for the half marathon. So she's going to run the half marathon for the first time this year. She's really excited about that. And then covering all of these runs and talking about them on the podcast and, you know, seeing my wife's growth and all that has gotten me to start running too. And I've been using the, uh, I've been using the Nike plus run club app. Nice. And there are guided runs where the Nike coach talks you through stuff and he sounds a lot like you. (laughs) So as I'm running, I'm like, oh, it's miles. And he's giving me a pep talk as I go through. And I told this to to Matt, who we do the weekend primer with. And he was like, I don't think that I could ever go through that because you used to be his coach when he was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I was his basketball coach. And, uh, I might have been more of a yeller than your app is when I was coaching Matthew. Yeah, the app is very, very nice and very gentle, very reaffirming. <laughs> Apparently that was not the case. I, I reaffirmed sometimes, but I also uh, I also might have lost my cool once in a while. Sure. So this sounds like it's going to be cool. Uh, I This will be my third half marathon that I have been to, I believe, in terms of like recording and that kind of stuff. Last year was a lot of fun. I brought my bike and I was booking it up and down the course to catch the runners at the different points. Yeah. Um, so it should be a lot of fun again this year. Registration again is open on October 1st. It opens at $60, which is a, a great price for a half marathon like this. So if you sign up or if you, if you and a friend sign up, I mean, you're saving significant dollars right off the bat. You get a great race t-shirt. There's a um, free beer at the finish line. It's a, it's a beautiful day. You get a, all of half marathon runners get a finisher's medal. So yeah, it's a, it's a really fun event to be a part of. And, and stories like your wife, people who, um, use these things as motivation to start working out or get over mental hurdles of their own are probably like the most inspiring thing to me about being part of it, whether it's uh, the folks from my team Triumph finishing the race with the help of what they call angels or just like a lot of my friends have have used the race as kind of a motivating factor. I had a friend who had a brain tumor and he said, hey, if I get a clean bill of health by February, I'm running the door kind of half marathon. I've never run before but he's like that's my commitment in my head and then he did it and he's like oh crap now i gotta <laughs> it's great that i that i beat this but now i gotta now i gotta train and run right. and seeing him finish and uh you know other times it's been people coming out of bad relationships or breakups and knowing that they use this as a way to kind of get their mind through it and clear their head and prove something to themselves like i i get i sit at that finish line and get moved to tears a lot i know there's a whole family of like 20 people who used to camp in the park their dad used to teach them and, and take them through the trails of the park. So they all came up as a family and ran the race in memory of their father a couple of years ago. And it's just really neat to, to, to put together an event that can become a centerpiece for people to, to do something really important for themselves. And that's, that's probably the number one thing I love about doing it. Where can people register for this? DoorCountyHalfMarathon.com, uh, 7am October 1st. And, uh, Yeah, register that first month. Great. With that, let's take a little break, and then we will come back with our feature this week. We hope you're enjoying the Door County Pulse podcast, which was brought to you this week by the Door County Half Marathon and Nicolay Bay 5K. This USATF certified road course takes runners along the shores of Green Bay, on the bluffs atop the Niagara Escarpment, and through the secluded woods of Peninsula State Park. The course also winds past historical markers and scenic overlooks, including the Eagle Bluff Lighthouse, Sven's Bluff, and breathtaking panoramic views of Nicolay Bay, Green Bay, and the islands dotting Lake Michigan. The race will begin on May 4th, 2019, and registration opens October 1st. So make sure to head to DoorCountyHalfMarathon.com to register online, and we look forward to seeing you there on race day. 
Okay, we are back. And for the feature this week, we wanted to talk about the sale of Horseshoe Bay Farms. Tell us a little bit about what led up to this and where we're at now with the story. Yeah, Horseshoe Bay Farms is one of the most beautiful properties in Door County. Um, Bayshore Drive, as you head south out of Egg Harbor, before you get to Murphy Park, there's the barns on the left-hand side of the road. It's got a ton of history to that property. I mean, they're just, even if they didn't have history, they're just beautiful barns. Great for uh, photo buffs and painters go out there all the time. I know we've shot a number of videos out there. This time of year is probably the best time of year out there with the fall colors on the bluff behind it and the, the fields that surround it. But um, that property has been under the ownership of Glenn Timmerman for mm-hmm. the last uh, 10, 11 years. Yep. We interviewed him two years ago Yeah, um, in the summer about the cherry camp that used to be on Horseshoe Bay Farms, and then also the starting of the cherry orchard there and the the use of dynamite to kind of blast away that rocky soil. (laughs) Yeah, anybody who's ever tried to plant anything in Northern Door County knows how hard it is to get more than a couple of inches down before you hit rock. And yeah, like you said, they they actually went and used sticks of dynamite to blast holes so they could plant cherry trees. Right. And this is 60, 70, 80 years ago. You can find those videos and the interviews at uh, doorcounty.com. We made those for the Door County Visitor Bureau, and there's a couple of great ones on Mm -hmm. there. And really fascinating stories about how people used to live here and some of those first summer jobs were picking cherries for so many people, my dad included. So Glenn Timmerman bought it in 2007. At that time, there was actually a a development idea being floated for that, that they would build condos around it and turn those into like a retail shopping complex. And a lot of people were very put off by that idea. And Glenn Timmerman was one of them. And so those were actually, they were in foreclosure and they were going to go to auction. And at the 11th hour, the night before they were going to hold the auction, Glenn Timmerman reached a deal to buy the farm. And so it didn't go to any developers. And Glenn didn't really have a plan for it yet, but he said, we need to preserve this. I'll figure that out later. So they bought it. And over time, he got it listed on the National Register of Historic Places He created a master plan for the property, but he could never come up with the uh, funding or formula to refurbish the barns and and make something out of them. Mm. He didn't want to really run a private enterprise there, but it wasn't a nonprofit, so he couldn't really get, you know, the the donations to to save them. So in the meantime, he, you know, he paid the taxes on it and did some upkeep and and held on to that property for the last 10 years and preserved it. Right, yeah, he Um, considered himself to be a... A caretaker. Yes. And he, he didn't want to change anything. He just wanted to keep it looking beautiful until the time came where something could be done with it, right? Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he had, he came up with this master plan to create some sort of interpretive center there and spruce up the grounds a little bit. It's a huge complex. It was once one of the largest farms in, in Wisconsin. They were in the 19, late 1910s and 1920s one of the most innovative farms in the Midwest, if not America. They uh, did some really innovative things with breeding and um, and with cr- producing a, a, a better cow, and, and that could produce more milk. And that was all wiped out by, I believe it was called Bangs disease. They had their entire herd wiped out, and that's when they kind of turned toward becoming an orchard. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of great history on that property. The Coles family has had it for most of the last century until Glenn bought it. There's there's just a lot of people who worked on that property, families who got their foot and got settled in Door County by working on that property. And in fact, the workers, if you worked at Horseshoe Bay Farms, a lot of their their housing was on the water side of the road. The farms on the opposite side. So if you were working summer jobs, if you were the manager there, you 
lived in a cottage on the beautiful lakefront there because mm-hmm. people just didn't value the lakefront property at that time. Right, or even the kids who went to cherry camp there. Yeah. Glenn talked about how he had people all the time calling him up on the phone and asking if they could tour the grounds because they were at cherry camp or their dad was at cherry camp or something like that. Right. When Egg Harbor held their 150th anniversary celebration in 2011, or I think it was 2011, over 700 people showed up just for the opportunity to tour those barns because they had a connection to it or had always wondered what they were like. And it really is an impressive complex, but it will cost over $600,000 to refurbish those things and to get them to a place where you can have public access safely, repair the roofs, which are in dire need of repair, and to repaint the buildings. So what has happened now is the Nicholas family, uh, David and Lori Nicholas, uh, with the help of their son-in-law, Andrew Gill, have come up with a plan and they have purchased the property for $500,000 from Mr. Timmerman. He has sold it at a discount and they have bought it and then have committed to putting it into a 501c3 nonprofit and essentially donating the farm to this nonprofit, Horseshoe Bay Farms, Inc., that will work to refurbish them. And they have also committed $250,000 to pay for the immediate needs of refurbishment with the roof and the paint jobs. And then they, working with the Door County Community Foundation, are looking to raise about $350,000 in additional funds to do the complete refurbishing that that property needs. So you have a family that is really making an incredible donation to Door County. You have Timmerman who has taken care of that property for the last decade plus and, and, and kind of saved that for everybody. And now you have another family stepping in and working with the Egg Harbor Historical Society who has lent their nonprofit status in the meantime. Right now, Horseshoe Bay Farms, Inc. is working on getting the actual IRS final approval of their nonprofit. In the meantime, the Egg Harbor Historical Society has kind of taken ownership of the, mm-hmm. the farms for a couple of months to secure it and also to help start the application process for some grant funding. Yeah, it's just a really cool program. And as an Egg Harbor kid, that place was an icon for years, you'd go down to Horseshoe Bay and you'd see those barns. And, uh, and, and for me, it's, it is really cool that that's going to be saved. Well, and it, it's it's a property that works really well as, you know, a, a, a place where you can take a historical tour or turning it into some sort of community center where people can go and hold events and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's enough buildings with enough space and the, the property itself is beautiful that you really could turn it into something amazing for the community. And it sounds like that's kind of where they're going. Yeah. So they're going to um, embark on this master planning process. And they have said uh, what Lori Nicholas said is, uh, you know, preservation and education are the first priorities for them. And they, they assume that this master planning process will take eight to 12 months once they get the property secured. And there might be a community garden there. They're going to work, uh, hold some public meetings and really try and get a lot of community input and support and find out what people want. It's one reason that they are not paying for the whole refurbishment is they said, we want other people to feel invested in this property. We want other places in the county. Glenn Timmerman is going to help in the fundraising effort for that additional refurbishment money. And he, he said his goal is to get significant five-figure contributions from each community. So it's a Door County project, not just an Egg Harbor project. Because mm-hmm. this place was once the largest seasonal employer in Door County. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that big and that influential. And so he's going to he's going to go around and try and raise these, these funds from all these communities. And then they're going to try and solicit as much input as possible into creating a real community space. And, and talking to them earlier this week, 
you know, they, they do seem very genuine and very committed um, and, and very interested in the future of this property. And they definitely seem to have the energy to put forward because it's going to take a lot. It's gonna, and, and when you ask for input, you're, you're taking a lot of input and a lot of listening to a lot of different people. And weeding your way through that is not always easy. So I, I commend them. I think it's really awesome that they're doing it. October 3rd, next week, they're actually taking two of the old workers' cottages that um, flanked Frank Murphy's house on the water, the old manager's quarter and the assistant, man assistant manager's quarter. And they are actually lifting those up and moving them across the street to put them on the farm property so that they're all kind of, they have that component in there as well. And those workers' cottages, they said, might end up being lodging for guest speakers and um, presenters at the farm might be housing of some sort. And they might also tell th those they feel are a important part of telling the history of that farm is also telling the stories of the people who work there and made it what it was. So they've committed to moving those because otherwise those were going to get demolished. Sure. And I know that means a lot to the people like the, the Dixon family, which is goes back to the Erickson family who Ulrich Erickson and his son Howard were the caretakers of that farm for a better part of five decades. So they grew up in those houses. So I talked to them and they were really moved by the fact that that those are getting saved and moved over there as well. And uh, it's kind of cool how they're doing it. They're going to move those across the street and they actually have to hang them over holes in the ground and build the foundation up to the building because with an old structure like that, you can't just pre-build the foundation, I guess, and just plop it on top because it might not exactly be square mm -hmm. so they have to kind of custom make a foundation up to the cottages kind of cool yeah yeah this sounds like it's going to be a, a really cool project and, and what you said about it being a, a door county icon i think is is a big takeaway from this because when you think of door county icons and, and you you have to try to push yourself away from town like things that are important for each town you've got lighthouses water but then, you know, what what are Door County icons? I think Horseshoe Bay definitely fits that bill. Yeah, that's a now you got me thinking. I'm going, uh, what are the what are those uh, classic images and most important and, and iconic images? And I, I think of Horseshoe Bay Farms and that especially that main barn um, as one of those. Thorderson Boathouse, Eagle Tower was one, mm. <laughs> Pottawatomie Tower was one, and when we're losing both of those. Um, and so it's cool when we can preserve these and, you know, the, the Sturgeon Bay Steel Bridge. Um, maybe this is a great article idea. <laughs> it's going through and finding these, these iconic Door County images. In Bailey's Harbor, the McArdle Library is definitely that kind of building. But you, like what you said about it being Door County versus town, it's not as recognizable to the, uh, to the larger visitor base or, or, or residency. Right. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a great article idea. Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome. You can have it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just that idea of like what makes a Door County icon. It's something that people think of when they think of Door County or it's something that's so deeply rooted in the history of Door County. Like mm -hmm. you said, Horseshoe Bay Farms was a huge employer up here, um, hearkening back to the days when Door County was majority farmland. Mm -hmm. um, then, of course, you have all the maritime activity that happened in Sturgeon Bay and throughout the county. Um, so those, those big historical tent poles, I think Horseshoe Bay yeah. Farms would be one of them. Absolutely. So anything else that you have to say about this uh, this purchase and the upcoming plans for Horseshoe Bay? Uh, just that we'll have the article in this Friday's Pulse, and there'll be some more information that'll guide you to um, where you can learn more about their project uh, from their own website. Uh, we'll link to that on doorcountypulse.com. 
And you can, there's a, there's a lot of history. We actually have a lot of articles about Horseshoe Bay on our website and the efforts to preserve that and the history behind it. And then, of course, we have a, a couple of great videos on doorcounty.com that tell the story of the Cherry Camp. And actually, there's one longer piece that if you are interested in the history of the orchards up here in mm-hmm. agriculture in Door County, we produced a, uh, that you had the big hand in, uh, a 12 to 14 minute video about um, the history of the, the orchards in Door County and the right. cherry industry. That's got some great archival footage. A lot of it pulled from old Horseshoe Bay Farms home movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some really absolutely. great stuff. And we tried really hard with with that video to explore cherries, both as like, you know, the manufacturing of cherries and why they're an icon up here. But we also wanted to tell some of the lesser known stories. So we dig into the POW camps and how German POWs helped pick cherries for a summer. We tried to get into some of those stories that aren't as widely told, um, just to give some historical context behind why people think cherries when they think Door County. So I would definitely check it out. Uh, like you said, you can find it at doorcounty.com or at the Door County Visitor Bureau's YouTube page. All of our videos are up on there, yeah. um, including a bunch of history extras that are smaller videos pulled from those bigger uh, historical videos that we did. Um, which would include the cherry camp story told by Glenn and also the the dynamite orchard story. Yeah, it's really cool what the Door County Visitor Bureau has asked us to do through our through Peninsula Filmworks, which you have a lot more to do with than I do in the in the day to day capturing of all of these interviews and um, of this history and these images. But the Door County Visitor Bureau has really um, placed a lot of importance on capturing the history of this county, both as just a documentarian perspective, but it's important to people. You see it when they post those videos. So many people are connected through the nostalgia or just wanting to learn more about history and historic tourism is such a big part of tourism everywhere, but it's really become a big part of Door County. And it's really great that they have supported um, the documentation of of all these stories. Right. And, and like you said, I mean, you can see people's reaction to the history of Door County on the Facebook page. I mean, people will post... Uh, we'll do like a door lens of a town and somebody in the comments is sure to say like, oh, that was my great grandfather's property or that used to be this. And I used to go there every summer with my parents and or, you know, post a picture of uh, some of the waterfront or one of the lighthouses and like, oh, I remember going there all the time with my right. parents. So, I mean, you see that in pretty much every single thing that we post, people yep. coming in and being like, oh, I, I used to love doing this, or I used to do that when I was younger. So the, the historical side of Door County is is important to preserve and to tell to future generations, just because yeah. so much of what we have now is built upon that. And then they're going to want to, once they are reminded of those memories, then they go, oh, I want to, I'll take my grandkid there, mm-hmm. or I'll take my son there. And and share that experience and pass it on. So, uh, yeah, really great to put those together. Cool. Well, I think that that's just about going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Miles. Pleasure as always, Andrew. All right, and we will see you again next week. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.